Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. A new twist in the vaccine mix and match debate. What it is based on is a measuring of the immune system response. NASI's new recommendations and why BC's guidelines won't change. Graduating back to normal. Current restrictions on gatherings, extracurricular activities and sports will be relaxed. The province lays out what students will face in September. And busting to open the border. Clarity is so key and so that's what we're looking for. Premier Horgan joins others pressuring Ottawa to come up with a plan. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. More mixed messages on vaccines tonight from different levels of government. That's right. The Federal National Advisory Committee on Immunization is now recommending that everyone get an mRNA vaccine, Pfizer or Moderna, for their second dose. But as Aaron MacArthur reports, Dr. Bonnie Henry says that won't change B.C.'s guidelines. Canada has three vaccines approved for use and available to the public. The advice around one of them, the Oxford AstraZeneca shot, has changed so much it's hard to keep track. Now the National Advisory Committee on Immunization has flipped the script again. People who received AZ for the first dose should look to another brand for their second shot. This change is based on emerging evidence indicating a potentially better immune response from this mixed vaccine schedule. The news has left 275,000 British Columbians who received AstraZeneca wondering what to do next. Some frustrated at the muddled messaging. BC's public health officer says there will be no changes to the pharmacy program here. People who were given AstraZeneca can still choose what booster shot they want. Infectious disease experts say the best advice is to get fully vaccinated with the first shot offered every time. If the choice is a second AstraZeneca vaccine now or an mRNA vaccine in two or three weeks, get the AstraZeneca now. Getting immunized more quickly is far more important. But what brand people receive is now potentially affecting mobility. The Bruce Springsteen show on Broadway has said people with AstraZeneca will be denied entry and will not be considered vaccinated. AstraZeneca isn't approved for use in the U.S. BC's top doctor says the wrinkles around what vaccines are considered acceptable are still being ironed out worldwide. Our expectation and what we are hearing from countries around the world is that it'll be WHO approved vaccines will be uh, the standard that will, someone will need to meet. All the vaccines offered in Canada are safe and effective. And according to healthcare professionals, there are no bad choices. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Keith Baldry joins us now with more on this. Keith, in addition to today's news, which may or may not cause people to rethink their second mm -hmm. AstraZeneca shot, we are going to see a slowdown in the delivery of one of the mRNA vaccines, the Pfizer vaccine, next month. 
Yeah, these were both unexpected developments today, Chris. So, yes, in terms of Pfizer, we've been awash in Pfizer vaccine for some time. That's our workhorse uh, vaccine, more than 300,000 doses a week. That's going to go down in number in the first two weeks of uh, July. Take a look at the numbers uh, just announced today from federal government. We were expecting to get 308,800 doses a week in July. Uh, But the new schedule, 121,680 in the first week, 194,000 in the second week. That number may change, actually. Our total delayed shipment for... 315,680. And again, that may go up or down by a few thousand. Now, Pfizer says they will uh, re- sort of replace that uh, displacement at the end of the month. But well, we should get that replacement at the end of the month. And Dr. Bonnie Henry today is saying it's not the end of the world because Moderna, we're getting a huge amount of doses in the next little while. Over the next two weeks, almost one million doses of Moderna. Here's Dr. Henry. It's a reflection of the challenges that we've had across the board. We know that primarily this has been with Moderna and we've had uh, challenges with shipments. Um, Thankfully, very recently, we've uh, had an indication that we're going to get a lot of Moderna starting this week. So that is good news. And we know that both the mRNA vaccines that we have, Moderna and Pfizer, are both equally safe and effective. Now, I just learned just a short time ago, as a matter of fact, that we got 34,000 new AstraZeneca doses. So, again, we didn't have enough for everyone to get a second dose. And I've also been told that right now it's about 50-50 people who got AstraZeneca. 50% of them are getting AstraZeneca as a second dose. 50% are getting Pfizer or Moderna. We'll see if that ratio changes in the days ahead as a result of NACI's recommendation. And as Dr. Henry says, there's no bad choice. Exactly. All right. Thanks very much, Keith. All right, let's get a look at today's numbers now. We have 120 new cases. That brings BC's total to 146,794, with 1,451 of those cases active. 131 people are in hospital, 44 are in the ICU, and one more person has died from complications of the virus. The province has announced what back to school is going to look like in September. And to the relief of many, it'll look a lot like it was before the pandemic. Cohorts will be gone and extracurricular activities and team sports will come back. But as Richard Zussman reports, the final plan all depends on what happens this summer. Next week, kids kindergarten to grade 12 will say goodbye to friends, teachers and staff for summer to mark the end of the school year. They'll also be saying goodbye to school as they've known it for the past year. Students will be back in the classroom for full-time in-person instruction and the return to a near normal start to school in September. Learning cohorts set to be gone, inter-school sports, assemblies, band concerts, school plays will all be back. The province will be investing in cleaning supplies, improving ventilation and PPE to the tune of more than $25 million. What will remain the same uh, is that uh, we, we will expect students and staff to continue to complete daily health checks, stay home when they feel sick, and practice diligent hand hygiene. British Columbia, one of the only jurisdictions in North America, they kept a vast majority of students in the classroom for the entire year. What still hasn't been decided for fall is the issue of mask wearing, although it doesn't sound likely it will be required. I don't expect we'll be in that situation in the the coming school year where, where we'll need that level of support all the time. The BC Teachers Federation says they want to see masks remain in high schools come September and they don't want any formal decision to be made until closer to the start of school. 
what we've learned during the pandemic is it can be very unpredictable. And so we'll need to see um, what things look like in August. Um, we'll need to know, for example, vaccination rates. And while 12 to 18-year-olds will have all been offered two shots by September, anyone up until the age of 12 will not be vaccinated. The adults in the school system as well are, are being immunized, and so it is personal protection as well as protection of, of everybody. And, of course, it reflects risk in the community, the risk in the school. And with community cases going down, the hope is by the time the bell rings again in September, the risk of COVID-19 in schools will be extremely low. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Calls have been ramping up to reopen the Canada-U.S. border, and today Premier John Horgan met with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and other premiers to discuss the next steps. Paul Johnson joins us live with more on today's development. There was a meeting, Paul, but we still haven't heard any news from it. Sophie, for border stakeholders, this meeting was better than nothing, but it's way too late. They point out that each day this border remains uncrossable for fully vaccinated people is costing Canada many millions of dollars and prolonging the pain for separated families. Yeah, you can use this lane then. The world's longest peacefully maintained and conveniently crossed border. The cultural, economic and family ties that span the two countries are among the strongest in the world. It took a global pandemic to close it. What will it take to open it? Let's get back to reality. Commerce is life. Opening is the way to go. Closing is wrong. As an American and a brand new Canadian citizen, it's really important to me to see that border open. But only when it's safe. With the state of California opening up this week and cases across the U.S. having plummeted to the lowest level since widespread testing began. For the sake of the countless families who've been separated and billions in revenue for Canadian businesses, the call has never been stronger for Ottawa and the provinces to decide on a plan. Toot sweet. Clarity. We need clarity and we need uh, details about a reopening plan so families can be re reunited and so businesses can resume operations and, and also resume planning for, for the fall and into 2022 and beyond. Well, the hoped for clarity did not come Thursday. It seems that in lieu of actions, politicians are at least starting to make noises about getting there. Federal Public Safety Minister Bill Blair said the existing Arrive Can app could be modified to reflect vaccination status for travelers. And B.C.'s Transportation Minister Thursday addressed the current status of our tourism sector, which is badly mauled and bleeding. Our tourism economy is a significant part uh, of our economy. Uh, it provides uh, good jobs and it has been... Uh, a shadow of its former self while we've lived under COVID safety restrictions. All right, Paul, so when the borders do reopen, are all vaccines considered equal? Yeah, you know, you might have been paying attention to that previous report about the Bruce Springsteen concert. And while private groups can do what they want, the expectation is for travel, valid vaccines will be determined by the World Health Organization. And of course, the good news here in Canada is that all of our vaccines are approved by the WHO. Here's a bit of Dr. Bonnie Henry. 
Our advice, our expectation, and what we are hearing from countries around the world is that it'll be WHO-approved vaccines will be uh, the standard that will, someone will need to meet. And yes, we are hearing, of course, that uh, mixing or matching is going to be accepted in most countries around the world. These are details that are still in flux. We don't know the answers to everything yet, um, but we have heard from the, at least from my colleagues in the U.S., that AstraZeneca is uh, will be one of the vaccine combinations that they will approve. But again, as of today, people still anxiously awaiting the news for when they may be able to resume crossing this long border of ours. Sophie? All right, thanks for that. Paul Johnson reporting for us tonight. The Vancouver School Board is cutting its honors programs in math and science, and that's not sitting well with some parents and students. The board says it's to ensure all students are treated equally. But as Jordan Armstrong reports, a lot of questions are being raised about the timing and the way the decision was made. They made this decision without talking to any students. We asked some very smart Eric Hamber secondary students to give the Vancouver School Board a letter grade. For transparency, here's what they said. Anywhere from an F to an F. Letter grades are being phased out, so I can't actually do that. Well, I'd give them an F, except Fs have been phased out. So I'm going to give them an I for incomplete, for failing to consult with students and teachers. They're upset the VSB is doing away with the last of its honors programs, which are accelerated courses in math and science for students in grades 8 through 10. 16-year-old Stephen Kosar says he wasn't a great student back in elementary school. He found it boring, but the honors courses gave him the challenge he needed. And that's such an important aspect for me, to be actually challenged by something, to do something actually interesting is really important. Parents are troubled by the timing of the VSB's decision. Rebecca DL's grade 7 daughter found out the programs were being scrapped only after studying for and taking the placement exam. Um, and had to be told by her teacher that same day that the, the class was going to be cancelled. Um, so she came home that day, she was upset. The honors programs are the reason Roger Tam's son chose to attend Eric Hamber. It's thrown everything into disarray a bit. You know, we're, we're not really sure how, how, to, how to plan around this. The VSB believes the programs no longer fit with its equity and inclusion goals. And on social media, there is some agreement. But the board wasn't eager to explain its decision. At first, they declined our interview request and sent an email attributed to no one in particular. 24 hours later, they had this to say. The learning opportunities that were available because of these honors classes continue to exist. For example, she says a grade 8 student excelling in math could choose to take grade 9 math in the second semester. Kosar thinks this is all about money, and he feels shortchanged. They want to cut things back because it's cheaper for them, because they are losing a lot of money, and it's just a sinkhole. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. The push for a binding referendum on Surrey's new police service. This will give the citizens of Surrey a voice. Her husband was murdered in a case of mistaken identity, and she is now leading a new group trying to get the city to reconsider the hoops she has to jump through first, next on the News Hour. BC's first wildfire of note signals the start of what could be the hazy season. That's coming up on the News Hour. And startling developments in the case of a toxic chemical discovered in a Richmond park. What investigators found out about some sick squirrels later. 
Right now, though, the integrated homicide team is looking into the disappearance of a Burnaby man. 33-year-old Parminder Rai, who also goes by Paul, was reported missing by his family on June 9th. He was last seen at his home near Simon Fraser University five days before. Foul play is suspected in his disappearance. IHIT is asking anyone with information to come forward. He uh, is known to police. Uh, he uh, does have connections to gang and drug activity. And we do not believe that his disappearance is random. This isn't just some, um, you know, just somebody just going missing. Uh, we believe that somebody uh, did something to Mr. Ryan. Frankly, we believe he's, he may be dead. Rai is described as South Asian, 5 feet 10 inches tall with a medium build. He drives a black 2011 Honda Accord, very similar to this one, with license plate number M as in Mary B231R. Well, her husband was shot dead in front of her children in Cloverdale in what was believed to be a case of mistaken identity. No one has ever been charged. Now, Darlene Bennett is taking on Surrey City Hall, trying to reverse the decision to replace the RCMP with its own police force. As Catherine Urquhart tells us, Elections BC has approved the widow's referendum, the petition, but it will be a race against time to get thousands of signatures. Should Surrey keep the RCMP or move forward with the Surrey Police Service? That's the question motivating a petition which has just been approved by Elections BC. It's a citizen's initiative by Darlene Bennett, whose husband Paul was murdered three years ago in a case of mistaken identity. Elections BC has approved my citizen's initiative to move forward with asking for a binding referendum on the Surrey police uh, debate. Bennett has the next 60 days to prepare, then 90 days to collect 10% of signatures of all eligible BC voters, which would trigger a binding referendum. A daunting task, but not impossible, according to political strategist Bill Thielman. He ran the successful campaign against the HST and says the province could approve a regional referendum. The BC Referenda Act, which is uh, referendum act, which is on the books as legislation, allows cabinet to designate a regional referendum, and the cabinet could decide, provincial cabinet could decide at any point in time that Surrey deserves to have a referendum. Surrey's mayor is dismissing the petition and possible referendum, saying he'll continue to push ahead with the Surrey Police Service. Two years ago, um, we all of our Surrey, um, Surrey elect team got in on the number one issue of changing from RCMP to Surrey Police. I think uh, that this is just a, um, a waste of money as far as the taxpayers to do this um, referendum. Darlene Bennett says rising taxes are helping to motivate the petition and she's calling on others in Surrey to join her initiative at surreypolicevote.ca. I'm very excited and uh, hopeful that this will give the citizens of Surrey a voice. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Dozens of people attended a vigil on Vancouver Island for a young homicide victim. The body of 27-year-old Amy Watts was found early this month in Nanaimo in a wooded ravine. She was reported missing by her mother in Prince Edward Island after she failed to make contact with her family uh, since February. Watts had worked with homeless outreach programs but had also struggled with mental health and addiction challenges. 
Amy to me was like a little sister. She was a bright light in my life. She was somebody that there was nothing more real than my friendship between with Amy. Amy was a young lady with so much potential and sadly like many people out there that potential is now lost. She, she was loved by a lot of people. The clients with the, the homeless program I worked with loved her. The Nanaimo RCMP series crime unit has taken over the investigation into Watts' death. Her friends and family have started a GoFundMe page hoping to raise money to take her back home to PEI. A man and woman are facing mischief charges after an alleged racist incident in Richmond last March. The pair were caught on surveillance cameras at a Steveston coffee shop. The manager approached them and asked the pair to respect COVID-19 guidelines. But the woman threw a coffee cup at the manager and allegedly hurled racial slurs. Astrid Maria Sacreve and Michel Jean-Jacques Bertome are each facing a charge of mischief. Up next, Surrey hits the brakes on speed limits, a pilot project they hope will protect drivers and pedestrians. And the computer chip shortage that's hitting hard in the car industry. A stall on the Portman Bridge, uh, probably a flat tire. This is eastbound on the west end, just before mid-span, blocking the left lane in the Surrey exit lane. So the backup now starting to form a little bit behind these folks. Hopefully they'll uh, take care of it fairly soon. Through a new charitable partnership between Kermac Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermac Collision and Autoglass, you also support the, Sur the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. In Global One Above the Portman Bridge, I'm Tim Main. The special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories. On Global News Hour at 6. If you're shopping for a new set of wheels, you may have noticed certain vehicle models are getting hard to find, and that's largely being driven by a global shortage of semiconductor computer chips, now used in everything from touchscreens to power steering. The shortage has actually forced major automakers around the world to halt or slow down production. With more, let's bring in Consumer Matters reporter Andrea. And Thanks, Sophie. With pandemic-related auto plant closures, coupled with the chip shortage and general demand, inventory is low for many models. Some industry experts say they haven't seen vehicle shortages like this since the 1980s, and that's causing all sorts of challenges for the auto industry and the consumer. I see a transport truck just pulling in over there. And I can assure you whatever vehicles are on that are sold and will be going out of here in the next day or two. At this car lot in Langley, these vehicles will leave about as quickly as they arrive. Peter Hepner is the president of Preston Chevrolet Buick GMC Cadillac and says these are extraordinary times. Well, normally, you know, you'd, you'd be hard-pressed to find a place to park a car on this lot. Vehicle inventories are way down as the auto industry struggles with a global shortage of semiconductor chips. The microchips are used to power the many features of a vehicle from backup cameras to emergency braking systems. Normally, we would keep 225 to 250 pickup trucks in stock at all times. And there's been many times in the last six months where we've been down to three or four. 
According to Stats Canada, since January, the Canadian auto industry has been impacted by the chip shortage, but worsened in April as every major auto manufacturer had to stop or slow down production. That's meant a short supply of many vehicles, especially trucks and SUVs. And depending on the type of model, some consumers now forced to wait months, even up to a year, for the vehicle of their choice. In some cases, it's meant manufacturers are building the vehicles without the chips, storing them uh, on site until they're able to resolve that issue. Uh, you know, some manufacturers are postponing uh, the introduction of models. In terms of the microchip shortage impacting price, some dealers say the suggested retail price hasn't gone up substantially. But the Montreal-based nonprofit Automobile Protection Association, which helps consumers, says car makers are quietly slipping in price increases. We're not seeing the same level of cash rebate as we did. Um, however, I, I believe that there will be much more inflationary pressures going forward because of the limited supply. That limited supply is also driving people to the used car market, where inventory is also low and prices extra high. Used cars is like real estate right now. There are cars that are selling for grossly higher amounts. While trucks and SUVs continue to be in high demand, you'll be in luck if your choice of vehicle is a mid-sized sedan. It's honestly a good time to buy a vehicle if you can find one. But how long will the semiconductor shortage trend continue? The Automobile Protection Association says consumers shouldn't expect much improvement in supply until December, with normal levels hopefully returning by next spring. And some dealerships are also extending leases to accommodate customers while they wait for their new vehicle. Also of interest, if you have an older vehicle that's just sitting in the garage, the Automobile Protection Association says the price of scrap has gone up, so you could get a few hundred dollars for your old heap of metal. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters@globalnews.ca. All right, thanks for that, Anne. Ten properties are under an evacuation alert as wildfire crews battle B.C.'s first fire of note of the season. It's burning near Highway 1, about seven kilometers south of Lytton. The fire is now 80 hectares, slightly less than a square kilometer, but it's burning in steep terrain, making it very challenging to fight. At this point, the fire is classified as out of control, and drivers passing through that area are being warned to be aware of heavy smoke. Could definitely use some rain right about now, but uh, doesn't mm -hmm. look like we're going to get much over the next week or so. Christy is here now with a look at the weather forecast. You're right, Sophie. So we've got an incredible stretch of weather on the way, which is really nice for so many people. But as Chris mentioned, you know, we're sort of start kicking off the forest fire situation right now. And uh, a long stretch of dry weather is not necessarily needed. Now, there is a little bit of rain, and I'll show you that in a second. But first, I wanted to show you the forest fire danger rating right now. Just to give you perspective, this is what it's at today. You can see a number of areas in the Chilcotin, uh, Caribou, uh, Thompson region, very, very dry. And just yesterday, there was a lot of blue on this map. So it just takes one day of hot dry weather and that map changes quickly and so when you get seven days of hot dry weather that's when you get into trouble so we're actually in a pretty good scenario right now we only have three fires burning across the province but that will quickly change now you can see the blip so these temperatures are going to be well above seasonals all right squire what's happening well i'll tell you um after a month off the vancouver whitecaps will finally play tomorrow and they'll play Real Salt Lake, who's been kind of like their roommates this year because, of course, the Whitecaps are in Utah and they're sharing a facility with RSL. And they're thankful 
to Salt Lake, that they've been such gracious hosts. But they do have one issue with Salt Lake's head coach, Freddy Juarez. We have to be careful a little bit because where we train is open and uh, Freddie has been sending undercover <laughs> agents. Uh, there's always a car with a camera filming and I, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if it's you, but there's always someone filming. This is a nice moment today in the uh, Belgium-Denmark game. Ten minutes in, they stopped to honor number 10, Christian Eriksen, who of course collapsed in Denmark's opening game. He's in hospital. He's doing better. They actually put something in his heart today to help with the rhythm. 1-1, uh, and look at Lukaku. Just control the ball, and then it finally ends up on the foot of Kevin De Bruyne. Belgium's the number one ranked team in the world, so they're going to be one of the heavy favorites at this tournament. 2-1, the win over Denmark. All right, U.S. Open from San Diego, Torrey Pines, and that's Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin from a long way away. Yeah, and he's kind of 69 feet away, but it's a birdie. That's beautiful. And then this next one's 11 feet away, so it should be simple. Two under. See, I told you. Hadwin, part 18, one under 70, tied for 12th right now. If you're wondering, Phil Mickelson, who grew up on this golf course, is plus four after one round. Russell Henley has the lead at minus four. A lot of players still on the course. Because, of course, it's the same time as us. The old Coliseum in Uniondale. It's game three between the Islanders and Tampa Bay. And Yanni Gord gets the first goal. But New York has just tied it. It's 1-1 in the second. Okay. A lot of hockey players use their money and their green cards to retire in the sunnier parts of the U.S. when their career is over. But former Canuck Dan Hamhuis did the opposite. He went north, not south. He went back to his hometown of Smithers after retiring from a very successful NHL career. It's an amazing uh, outdoor town. So many things to do in the winter with skiing and Nordic backcountry. Um, great programs for the kids. And then summer too, just being in the mountains and things that our family enjoys doing. We've got family here. So yeah, it's worked out well for us. What also worked out well was Dan Hamuse's hockey career, starting in Prince George, then going to the NHL with stops in Nashville, Dallas, and of course the Canucks. And he won gold at the 2014 Olympics with Canada. Yeah, there it is. That is beautiful. He of course almost won the Stanley Cup with the Vancouver Canucks in 2011. He was hurt in game one, flipping over Milan Lucic and didn't play the rest of the series. And he thinks that maybe if the Canucks had been fully healthy against the Bruins, they might have been able to win it all. We were, we were built to win that year, that's for sure. Uh, so it's, uh, it's still one of those things that you look back on with very fond memories of that season, but there's also a part that uh, still stings a bit. What is a bit forgotten is the Canucks actually won the President's Trophy as a top regular season team two years in a row, in 2011 and 2012. But the year after losing to the Bruins applied even more pressure to the Canucks to succeed. It was a weird feeling the next year, I would say that. The expectations on our team was to win every game 5-0. That's the way it felt anyways in our dressing room. And if you'd lost, it was you know just a, a terrible situation so we went through that year and it was really tough mentally with the expectations 
we kind of made it a, a goal of ours to win the president's trophy. And we, we all said, we'll be the worst team ever to win the president's trophy. Just the feeling that we had in the room that year. One thing about being retired from hockey at the age of 38, you go from an old man on the ice to a young man in real life. That's been one of the perks is uh, looked upon as a very, very old guy. And you hear it so often that you start to believe it. And now being retired at 38, I'm definitely in the, the young side of that category. And I feel like a spring chicken again. That's true. When you follow athletics, it's like, oh, my God, that guy's 38. He's so old. <laughs> then he gets out of the sports business and like, hey, that guy's pretty young. He's only 38. Reborn. I want to retire at 38, but it's too late for me. <laughs> <laughs> no chance. <laughs> uh, up next, royal recognition for a Richmond woman. A Richmond woman is receiving a rare honor from the King of the Netherlands. In tonight's This is BC, Jade Durant has more on her years of service to the Dutch community and how she says she's just following in her family's footsteps. Thank you so very much. It's royal recognition that very few receive, an honor bestowed upon only two other British Columbians in the past 17 years. Thank you so very, very much. What makes it very special in this case is that uh, it is an order that is given outside of the Netherlands, which is not a regular uh, thing. Ever since she was a young girl working on the family farm in Richmond, Adriana Zalmans has given her time to the Dutch community. Every association who needs something to get done, ask her to become a member. But it's her work commemorating the 75th anniversary of the liberation of the Netherlands by Canadian soldiers in the Second World War that's most personal. Her father, William, organized a return trip for 35 of those men on the 50th anniversary in 1995. He was a tremendous inspiration to me, and so I figured it was almost a duty to carry on his legacy. One of those heroes who returned on the 50th anniversary was Elsley Folds, a Métis with a Metacorps, who met a young Dutch woman named Yeti. They married soon after, her dress made out of a parachute because materials were scarce. The chance for her late husband to return to the Netherlands was incredibly emotional. And before that, he, he couldn't talk about it. He wakes up crying and asks, you know, what he's crying for. And he says, it's too, too, I, I can't tell you. But then after that, because I was with him too. And so, and after that, I, he felt better. He, he could talk about it. And the wooden shoes were used daily on the farm, and we wore them as well. And, and Adriana still lives there today. It could easily be a museum. Many Dutch keepsakes close to her heart. But this one here is, for, is the size of my dad's shoes. And now, one from the king. An incredible honor after decades of hard work. Sometimes they, you will go beyond to reach those stars, and I feel like I'm almost have reached that this year. Jay Durant, Global News. What an honor, and congratulations. All right, Christy, we'll give the final word to yeah. you on the weather. Sure. So tomorrow will be gorgeous. We'll see a little bit more cloud cover, but overall a hot sunny day on the way. It's Saturday that we are going to likely wake up to a bit of cloud cover. Slight chance of showers, but the bulk of the moisture will be north of Metro Vancouver. And then from there on in, it's smooth sailing with uh, hot sunny conditions over Sunday right through Thursday, basically. Enjoy it. Thanks. Happy milestone birthday to my mother-in-law, Joan. Don't worry, I won't give oh. it away, but... 
And happy birthday, Christy. Love you. And happy birthday, Christy. Good, oh, thank you. <laughs>